let's go.
given me a reason So I'm singing my praise unto you You have lifted every burden So I'm singing my praise unto you It's a brand new day So I give you praise All for you, Lord, it's all for you You're the reason that I lift my voice and give you praise Lord, I give you praise for the things you do Cause there's nobody like you, you, you There's nobody like you, you, you There's nobody like you Got me singing and rejoicing Overflowing with praise unto you Now I'm living in your freedom Overflowing with praise unto you It's a brand new day And I give you praise All for you, Lord, it's all for you You're the reason that I lift my voice And give you praise, Lord, I give you praise For the things you do Cause there's nobody like you, you, you There's nobody like you, you, you There's nobody like you
Mountains bow down. 
time for every season. There's a time for everything during our working week. There's a time to be busy, a time to be quiet. There's a time to run after children. There's a time to work or a time to look for work. Sometimes we're worried. Sometimes we're worried about time itself. Life itself can fill our working week, can fill our week 
But not such a time as this, not this moment. This is a time when we come together in the body of Christ. This is a time when we come together to worship our God. To bring His manifest presence into our church this morning. Church, we are the gateways. We are the gateways that God wants to work through. It is through us that He manifests His power. It is through us that He manifests His presence. Let's invite Him in this morning as we worship Him. As we worship Him, be the gates that that welcome in the God of glory, the King of glory into our church this morning. Let's lift our heads, O gates, and welcome in the King of glory, Jesus Christ, this morning as we go back into worship. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's worship him, church. Forget about all else. Let's just worship the King of glory. Focus on him at this moment. You were born for just such a time as this. Welcome in the King of glory into our house this morning. Welcome him with praise and worship. Thank you, Jesus. We welcome you, Jesus, this morning. Thank you, Lord God. Christ our Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just worship him in this quiet moment. Just focus on him and him alone. Nothing else matters. Not at this moment. Feel his wonderful, tangible presence. Be touched and healed by it. Be touched and comforted by it. Be touched and encouraged for the week to come. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Lift him up in your heart. He is the only one. He's the one who made the way for it all. He's the reason why you're here this morning. Just focus on him. 
Thank you, Lord. Can we hand out communion now? Take a seat now. Communion's handed out. Stay in his presence for the moment. There are two covenants, two main covenants in the Bible. I'm going to call them the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Both of these covenants are agreements or treaties, however you want to say it, were sealed with sacrifice and blood. I'm going to read from Exodus 24 to identify the Old Covenant. Moses took half of the blood and put it in bowls, and the other half he sprinkled on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. They responded, We will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Moses and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel went up and saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of sapphire, clear as the sky itself. But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of Israelites. They saw God and they ate and they drank. This was a covenant of words and laws. It was a covenant that God made with his chosen people at the time, the people of Israel, one nation. To seal this covenant, to seal this treaty, the blood of a sacrificed animal was used. The blood of sacrificial animals was used to seal the deal. It was a deal that they had agreed to obey every single word and not to obey it 
would either bring blessings or cursing, depending on whether you obeyed it or not. And after the sprinkling of the blood, they were able to go up the mountain of Sinai and uh, or partway up and see and eat and drink in the presence of God. But above them, between them and God, was like a pavement, a floor, uh, sapphire, sapphire blue, as clear as the heavens itself, it says. So they were separated from God under his feet by a sapphire floor. Let's look to another covenant, a new covenant, the one I call, is called the new covenant. It was at the Last Supper, the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, sometimes it's called, when Jesus was spending time and eating the last, celebrating with his disciples before he went to the cross. And he said this, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This is not a covenant of words and laws. It's a covenant of grace and mercy. It's not the blood of sacrificial animals that sealed this treaty. It was the blood of the Son of God himself, Christ, who went to the cross for us. Jesus tells his disciples, drink from it, all of you. Jesus says to his disciples here now, drink from it, all of you. It's not just the 12 disciples at the table he's referring to when he says all of you. He means all of us, the new covenant, not just for one nation, but for all mankind. It's for everyone, all disciples of Christ. In Revelation 4, John goes up to the throne of heaven, the throne room of heaven in the Spirit. And he describes a sea of crystal glass below in front of the throne. He wasn't below this sea of sapphire. He wasn't below at this time. He was up in the throne room. And the sea of uh, glass was at his feet. Not separated from God, but in the presence of the most holy. He went up in the Spirit. All of us, disciples of Christ, we too are invited up into that throne room. We now have access not to sit below it, uh, be separated from God by a sky, a pavement of sapphire, but to be in that throne room and gaze down through the sea of sapphire below his feet, to be in his presence where we can receive mercy and find the grace in our times of need. People, as we eat the bread, go into that throne room and thank Christ that he broke his, his body was broken for our sins. As we drink the blood, all of you, as we partake in it, go into that throne room in the Spirit and thank him for the blood he shed so graciously on the cross. Partake in communion with him this morning in his throne room where he made access for each and every one of us through his sacrifice, the sacrifice of his blood. I pray this morning that each and every one of us gains a new and deeper awareness of the magnitude 
of what Christ has done for us and what it truly means to be a disciple of him. May we receive your mercy and find the grace to help us all in our times of need. Amen. Father, today we thank you for your, your tremendous grace and your tremendous mercy that you've poured out upon each and every one of us. Today, Lord, we come before you with a heart of gratitude. Father, today, Lord, out of our, our finances, we prepare our hearts to give and to sow back into your kingdom. It's a token of appreciation, as a token of our gratitude to you, Lord, that you've shifted the boundaries in our life. Lord, that you've shifted, Father, the sin out of our life. And Father, you've made way for grace and mercy to be extended to every one of us and every time, at every moment of our days, in Jesus' name. Father, today we give you thanks. Come on, let's prepare our hearts to give to him this morning, our tithes and offerings. Let's give with a grateful heart and a heart that's gratitude, that is full of gratitude for what Jesus Christ has done for every one of us. Amen? 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 Come on, let's worship him this morning. Give Jesus a shout of praise this morning. Come on, he is worthy. Father, today, Lord, I just hold every family up before you, every household that's represented here. Lord, I thank you for your wonderful mercy. Thank you for wonderful grace. Father, today, Lord, we pray that our lives would glorify your name. Father, the way that we live our lives, Father, the generosity that emanates from our life, Lord, that it would glorify your name. Father, today, Lord, I speak. Father, to have the financial situation over people this morning. Father, those that are in debt. Father, I just speak right now a release of that debt in Jesus' name. Father, I just speak to overdrafts. I speak to mortgages. I speak to HPs. Lord, let the spirit of poverty, Father, be broken over families this morning in Jesus' name. Father, today, Lord, let there be a shifting of the tide. Father, let there be a turning of the tide. Lord, let there be a shifting of boundaries. Father, let there be a reclaiming, Father, of lost territory today in Jesus' name. Father, just release your blessing right now in the name of Jesus. Bless right now in Jesus' name. 
Come on, if you were to sing, then give the Lord a shout of praise. Come on. Uh, come on, what are you? Uffy somebody this morning, show them some love. It's great to see you here. All right. How are you? Just find a seat where you are. It's good to see you here this morning. Can you find a seat? Fantastic. Love to welcome you all here this morning. It is so good to see you in the house of the Lord. I'm so glad that you made the effort to come this morning. It is so good to see you. And uh, if you're here for the first time, I want to extend a very, very warm welcome to you. And uh, my name is Dave. This is my wife, Kate. We're the pastors here. And uh, it's great that you could make the effort to come here this morning. I know that you're going to be blessed. Awesome. Yeah, we're so glad. Oh, it was me. And especially warm welcome to Anna. Stuart. Good to have you here. Welcome home. It's great to have you here. We've got a house for you. It's down the road. And uh, also a very warm welcome. Um, oh, welcome back. Actually, they, I want to tell a story, an amazing story about an amazing couple. They had twins, like not Monday just gone, but the Monday before. And they were in church last week with the twins. They were amazing. The, uh, the, the red, the red basket out of Hotterway. And I just want to say basket. congratulations. Yeah, the red gift basket. Boys. Bring it here. This is number four and five in, in their family, ones. so it's not like they just have twins, which is one baby's pretty awesome when you're just having a baby. So we just want to congratulate you, um, both of you um, from Bay City. We just think you're an amazing couple, and here you are again with the twins beside you. It's amazing. And they're quiet. And <laughs> we're amazed. So fantastic. Hey, uh, is there anyone here that's had a birthday this week? Or last week, actually. We didn't do our shout-outs last week. So I'm here at Bay City. We love to celebrate whether you're visiting or whether you're part of the family here. If you've had a birthday, we want to say happy birthday. Here come our chocolate runners. Jan, Linnell, up the back there. Kick your hands right up. If that's you, I saw one over here. Ezra. Ezra had a birthday. All right. I saw someone else. Oh, Rania. Your mum had a birthday. Then mm. you need to take her a chocolate. Do you think you'll eat it on the way? Yeah. <laughs> okay. What about wedding anniversaries? Roger, and you're here by yourself, your wife's in the USA. How many years? 49. 49. And Jared and, Jared and Shirley, you're celebrating a week today, is it? A week married. Fantastic. Awesome. And Simon and Andrea, how many, I know how many years, because we all got married at the same time. 19 years, I bet. Yeah, let's give them a shout this morning. Karina, I just want to give you this this morning. Wow. 
Here you go. You're a, you're a hero. You're a trooper, <laughs> both of you. small connect groups across Hawke's Bay. Not in a connect group? Then you can get connected today. Find out more at the Ask Me desk after the service. Youth Friday Night Live. Lights, camera, action. One full-on night of fun, food and laughs. Get your game on, get ready. Friends are must. Are you ready to bring it? Running Man style. Get creative, get it on film. Friday 20th of May, we're challenging the other youth groups, so you better bring it. Thank you to all those that helped in making our Mother's Day service a great success. Here are some pictures of the Thanks, Martin. Fantastic. Whoa. It's fantastic.
um, Mother's Day, such a special morning. There were so many of you that were involved, and uh, there's too many of you to mention today. I'd hate to miss one. But we want to say what an amazing job you did. So many put in uh, so many hours to make it just such a great morning and so impacting. It was fantastic to have Pastor Shane Willard with us. Yeah. And uh, we've booked him again for next year. So he's coming back again next year. But um, really warm, well, uh, really warm thank you um, to all of those um, if you haven't been on the Basically Facebook page, go and have a look. Um, check out, if you weren't here last week, check out the video clip that we played, that we made, and uh, it's had over 1,300 views, and about uh, the reach is about 3,500 people. So um, it's worth having a look at. It's, um, it's fantastic. A great team of people put it together. But hey, look, um, those photos you saw from the photo booth, and uh, there's many more. They're just outside in the foyer where the reception is, and there's a whole lot of them there. Thank you to David Wright who took the photos and put them together. There's also these cards there. So if there's a photo of you, or you and your mum, or somebody in your family, and you want to go and purchase one, take a card, fill in the number that's there, and take it down to Peter Dunkley with your payment, and uh, David will, uh, David works down there, and he will print your photos for you. Um, also, hey, I just want to say also, if you're not in a connect group, it was a, we had a clip there about our connect groups. That's the way here at Bay City that we um, do most of our pastoral care. So if you want to be in a, in a group that um, will pray for you, that will believe for you, that will stand with you, that will share the word of God and help you to grow in who you are, then after the service, come on down to the Ask Me desk and uh, put your name down there. There's men's groups, there's women's groups, there's mixed groups. Um, same with the youth. If you're here today and you're a young person or your parents, you're a parent here today of a young person and they're not connected yet with our youth, um, come on down to the Ask Me desk, and uh, we'd love to take your details. Pastor Mike um, cut loose on Friday night with our young people, and uh, many of them got touched by the power of God. Many of them were slain in spirit, and God's really moving um, all across our young people. We want to thank our youth leaders who are leading yeah. the way with our young people. So come and get involved and get connected. Fantastic. Thanks, Kate. She's an awesome wife. A great woman, incredible, just incredibly brave woman. <laughs> Come with me to some crazy places, do some silly things, but pretty cool things too. I really want to thank you all for coming this morning and uh, really praying this morning that there will be a, um, I'm believing that there's going to be a boundary shift in your life. A boundary shift in your life. I'm believing for part of your life or somewhere that the tide will turn in your life. And I'm not just talking about you because when you make a decision, when something shifts in your life, when there's an effect, like there's a, when, when, you, when something shifts in your life, that, that, that effect can last for generations. So when you make a decision to turn the tide or to shift a boundary in your life, when you shift it out or when you allow it to be encroached or shift it in, that effect lasts for generations. And uh, today I, I am where I am today because somebody in my family at some point made a decision to shift the boundary, to turn the tide. And uh, I believe that if, uh, if, if you would do that in your heart this morning, if you could make that decision to hear God's voice, to say, God, where is it in, in my family, where is it in my life that you wanted to shift the tide, where you want to shift the boundary? And uh, uh, how many of you all enjoyed Shane? He's fantastic, wasn't he? Every time he comes, every time I listen to him, all right, every time, something inside of me just shifts out a little bit more. My, my world is enlarged 
a little bit more, sometimes a big, quite a large degree, every time he comes. And, and it's almost like he comes in with a shovel sometimes and just cultivates your thinking, cultivates your belief system and uh, challenges, turns your, your thoughts, turns the way that you think about things over again. When you, when you hear him open up the word of God, it's like a whole shifting, a whole turning over in your life. And uh, one of the things I've been, been preaching on the last little while is about atmospheres and shifting spiritual atmospheres. We know that an at, a spiritual atmosphere is created as a response to a, uh, as a, response to a spiritual influence. It's so when you respond to a spiritual influence, uh, a, uh, an atmosphere is created. When, you, when the atmosphere is sustained, a sustained atmosphere becomes a climate, becomes much more predictable. And of course, when a climate is sustained, it becomes a stronghold, it becomes a culture. I really want to just again, uh, just, just for this Sunday, just look at the area of, of culture and just break that down a little bit for you. And then uh, in a couple of weeks' time, I'm going to shift tack and, uh, and uh, I just believe God just speaking to me freshly about some new things about where he wants to take us as a church. Uh, so Pastor Michael will probably be preaching next week. I'm not sure what the Holy Spirit will drop into his heart, but I know it's going to be good. Amen. How many of you have even started to come aware of, of atmospheres that, one, that you're carrying around yourself or, or atmospheres that you, you, you encounter in your, in your walk with life? You're starting to become aware. It's like, I feel this atmosphere. I'm starting to become aware. I become aware that I respond to certain atmospheres and certain things. When I'm in a certain atmosphere, something responds or something reacts within me. You're starting to become aware of that. And I'm hoping that you'd start to become aware of the atmosphere or the climate that you start to carry around your life. Because what we're believing for is that climate to start to lift up. Right? And what we're believing for is the culture to shift. One of the things I'd love to just open up this morning in, in John, chapter, uh, John chapter 13. John chapter 13. When Jesus, when he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of, uh, in verse 31, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and glorify him at once. My children, this is Jesus' last words. Uh, not his last words, but in. in an incredible moment of his life at the Last Supper. My children, I will be with you only a little longer, and you will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I will tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. This is verse, in verse 34. This is the guts of it here. A new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. So you will be, so yeah, I, as I have loved you, so that you will, so that you must love one another. By this Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So Jesus, how many, um, I don't know about your mothers out here this morning, but you're over here in your, in your family. It's like mum comes out and says, right, or dad comes out and says, I'm setting a new rule. You ever heard that? There's going to be a new rule established in this place. You know when mum or dad says that, they mean business. You know that they're serious about something. Jesus here, he says, he wants to, set, he wants to establish something. This is a, a, an incredible, powerful moment of his, of his life. This is a time of his life where, he's, where every, his whole ministry is starting to come, to come to a point where he's about to be crucified. This is one of his final discussions that he's going to have with his disciples. He could have said anything else. Um, he could say, build big churches, go out and tell them his men. But one of, the thing, one of the only things he said was this. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. By this, 
all people will know that you're my disciples. In other words, by this, by doing this, all people will know that you identify with me. And when you look at the idea of love, the idea of love today has become such a, a uh, uh, its definition has become so twisted, it's, it's, it's different now. So people are trying to shift what the definition of love is. In other words, what he's saying, if you purposefully and deliberately set a culture that reflects that of heaven, in other words, this is a key boundary line. This is something that will define you. This is something that will identify you with me. There's lots of things, but there's one thing that's going to be the most identifying factor, and that is that you love one another. So what he's talking about here is not that you just... uh, not a gooey kind of love, not, you know, not, not that wet kind of love. Uh, love is much more than that. Love is much more than that. Love is a culture that you start to develop. There's a, a Bill Johnson, I think it was a Bill Johnson brought out the culture of honor. Actually, there's a higher one that is called the culture of love. What Jesus is talking about here is that you develop a culture, that there is a culture that is established among you. And when that culture is established, that there will define you. That there will identify you as being belonging to me. Can you understand that? So one of the things we understand is this. Culture is something that describes us and identifies us. It's something that defines us. Culture is like a line. There's a, there's a, there's a cultural line, if, 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 you, if you understand what I'm talking about. Culture is like a boundary. Culture is made up of values, uh, beliefs, norms, practices, Culture is something that you experience, that you feel, that you can identify. When you come to a culture, when you, uh, when you meet a culture, uh, you can, uh, there, there's an identification play that, that takes place. So when you talk about an Indian culture, the Indian culture is not just confined to one geographic place. It reaches far beyond that. So Jesus is talking about this. So it'll be a key boundary line that identifies you with me. It's an external expression of a covenant or an agreement that you and I have made. Culture. Culture. One of the things about culture is that you you experience it everywhere. Culture is not always, um, how would you describe it? Culture is something that you experience. Culture is something that you feel. So all our attitudes, all our behaviors, all our beliefs, all our ideologies, all of them that are stored inside of us are externally expressed as a culture. So you go to uh, one people group and you can experience their culture. You go to another group and you experience their culture. So Jesus is talking about here, it's like the experience or the environment that you create, that you purposefully create around your life. That there will shape, that will shape, it it will determine, it will show people, it will demonstrate that you identify with me. It's kind of like a boundary. And um, one of the things you know about today is that boundaries are something that are always shifting. Boundary is something that's shifting. So when you have a, uh, so if you look at some of the, uh, the, the issues that are facing society today, there are some boundaries, there are some cultural boundaries that, uh, that used to not be acceptable, but are now becoming acceptable. You can see in many places that the boundary has shifted, the culture has shifted, the way we do life, the way that we outwork our life has now started to shift. I love what Bill Johnson talked about. He said, um, culture is something that describes us and defines us. It's a way that we are identified, like a boundary that is established. 
culture is something that is built and established. It is the collective attitudes, beliefs, the values, ideologies, and relational boundaries expressed in our behavior and reveal how people live. It's not a once-off thing, but it's a normality. It's a normality. Culture is what becomes the norm of how we relate. And if you can look at society today, you can see that how people relate to their parents is different. It's, it's shifted to what it used to be. For many, for many parts, the way that people handle their finances, the way that people live is continually shifting. And one of the things that you'll find is that uh, boundaries are flexible. Boundaries are something that they're dynamic, they move. Culture is something that moves. And uh, when you understand this, you understand that culture is something that moves. This is what billionaires can, why, one of the reasons why some of the people become billionaires is that they can understand that culture shifts, culture moves. Nothing is ever static, things move. The world around you is consistently moving. And when you can understand the dynamics of culture, you can then uh, have the power to be able to shift it and change it. Boundary shifters. <laughs> I don't know about you, but there's been times where... Ever heard the, ever heard the saying, oh, you've, crossed, you've, you've, you've crossed the boundary. You're pushing the boundary a little bit. <laughs> You're pushing the boundaries a little bit here. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've had that said to me a few times. David, you're pushing the boundaries. That's a little bit too far. What's, in other words, what's saying it? Whatever is generally perceived as the norm, you're on the edge of that. <laughs> or you're pushed a little bit further beyond that. So one of the things that you and I are called to be, as I believe, is boundary shifters. You'll find that there are uh, territories in the spirit, there are territories in the, in, the, in, in the natural, but there are territories in the spirit. And these, uh, you and I are called not just to be uh, relevant to culture, but to be countercultural. Countercultural, which means to, how can you be, you can't be countercultural unless you understand the dynamics of culture. Understand the kingdom of kingdom dynamics, kingdom culture, then you can come into a place where you can be countercultural. When you understand it, you'll be able to... When you, when you understand the dynamics of culture, you can then understand how strongholds are formed. You can understand climate. You can understand, at the end of the day, what spirits are involved in, in, in shaping our, our environment. You can start to get an idea about that. When you start to get an idea of that, then you start to be in a place of empowerment that you can start to shift it. So I don't know about you, but there are some people, they, everywhere they go, they, they shift boundaries. They, they push outside what is generally the norm. Some of you will hear like that. It's kind of like a car. You get a car and the, and, and the recommendations are these are the parameters in which the car can operate. But some people, when they get in that car, they just push it to as far as it can go. <laughs> It's kind of like you, you see, everywhere you see, you see boundaries. You see uh, defining lines that kind of shape who we are. You see a speed, you see a corner sign that says, take the, take the corner at 70 k's an hour. Some people, they'll look at that and say, yeah, I need, to sh- I need to be taking that corner at 50 k's. I've got to be well within the boundary line, right? There are some people, when you look at that, will say, let's test that. Let's test that. Let's test, see what's possible. Let's push the thing to the very maximum to see if we can get it to, let's see if we can add it by another third. Let's see if we can hit it at 100 k's. How many people know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Some of you will be thinking, 
I'm going to try and double that. It says 70, but I think I can push it at 140. <laughs> and you'll find that boundaries are consistently moving and consistent, consistently shifting. What people describe as the norm, what people describe as normal behavior, it takes one person to say, uh, should we test that? I mean, you know, it's inherent within kids. If you've got kids, it's like kids start to grow up. One of the things that kids start to learn is boundaries, what's acceptable and what's not acceptable in this family. You all understand what I'm talking about this one. Some of you all are parents, and you quite know that when the, when the kid starts to grow up and they start to, they start to test boundaries. They start to test what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And when they start to test, you can start to identify kids, not necessarily by name, but you can start to identify people by the way, the culture that they established around their lives. Some kids are naughty. Well, what makes them naughty? Well, they're perceived naughty because they test boundaries. <laughs> How many, how many people know a kid like that? Some of you will still try and test some boundaries, I know. You start to push out beyond what's the norm. You start to create a new culture. You start to, so one of the things that you find is there are things that we have in the world today. They weren't there yesterday. I was with IBM and they said, one of the things that we are planning for, he said, I think about 50% of the jobs that people are doing today were non-existent 10 years ago. They were non-existent 10 years ago. So how do you... So so essentially what's happened is territory has been enlarged. New territory has... The the borders of what people thought were possible have been shifted out. And a new culture is then established. New values are put in place. New behaviours are set in place. new, new new, New belief systems. So some people thought that possible was this high until somebody tested that boundary and said... Why can't we go a bit further? Why can't we go a bit further? Why, why, go, why stop there? Why not move forward? So one of the things you'll see is culture is dynamic. Culture is consistently moving. And one of the things that, I, that Jesus said will identify us is by the culture, the, the, value, the, the, the sum total of the outworkings of the values, the behaviors. It is what we start to consider normal. Culture is something when we align our lives to kingdom culture. That is something that will identify us as being Christians or followers of Christ. When you and I, uh, we consistently start to say yes to the Spirit of God, when we start to say no to other spirits, when we start to respond to the Spirit of God, you'll find that the kingdom of God will start to, start to manifest more and more and more in our life, and kingdom culture will start to move. So where the kingdom of God is now, it is not a static boundary. Where we are as a church is not a static line. God has got much more for us. I remember uh, going to, I remember hearing conversations about Wellington that nobody could build a church bigger than a thousand people in Wellington. That was the norm. That was the that was the expectation. If you go to Wellington to plant a church, you could not build it past. It's it was normal that no church would grow beyond a thousand people. Of course, it took one person, John Cameron, Pastor John Cameron, to say, "I'm going to test that boundary. I'm going to test it." You put that up, I'm going to break it. I am going to push that boundary. Now you have a church that probably has a weekly of attendance of, of, of 3,000 plus. Not only that, it got churches right through the country. Why? Because somebody decided, no. No, 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 no. You may accept this as the norm. You may accept this as the norm, but this, just because you've accepted it as the norm doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's kingdom. 
The Bible talks about the kingdom of God will grow and grow and grow until it becomes a kingdom that fills the whole earth. It's not just going to stop at these four walls. It's dynamic. It's going to consistently move. For us to keep with that, you've got to understand what, what spirits you start to entertain in your life. That's why I've been talking about what spirit are you listening to? What are you listening? What are you coming into an agreement with in your life? Because if you come into an agreement with that, what you'll find is your boundaries will start to be encroached. The more you listen to demon spirits, even though you're filled with the Spirit of God, the more you start to, the, to listen to demon spirits or listen to the voices of the world, the boundaries that were established in your life will start to encroach in. But the more you start to respond to the Spirit of the Lord, the more that boundary will start to open up. The more the boundary will start, that the Bible says that he who believes nothing shall be impossible. What boundary is around that? Jesus said nothing will be impossible to those who believe or nothing will be impossible to those that listen to the voice of my spirit and respond accordingly. Nothing. So what is impossible? Impossible is nothing. Somebody should trademark that. Somebody already did. (laughs) Impossible is nothing. Impossible is only impossible if you believe it and are satisfied with that. Impossible is not a culture of the kingdom of God. Possible is. The thing what Jesus did when he started to walk on this earth, he started to, one of the big things he did was he brought the culture of heaven. One of the things you see him preach about, one, he, he demonstrated and he preached kingdom culture. You say this can't be happen, this can't be done, watch me, I'll show you. You say you can't touch a leper, watch me, I'll show you. Watch, you say you can't touch an adulteress, you watch me, I'll show you. Every moment, every step Jesus took, he pushed boundaries out. Boundaries that had encroached on people, that kept people in bondage, that kept people suffering. He, he, he stepped into that situation and shifted the boundary out. So when it comes to his disciples, he said, this commandment I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give to you, that you love one another. Above everything else, that you love one another, that you cultivate a culture of love. It's not just going to happen. You've got to cultivate it. Because the default will be that the spirit of the world will come in and push in. See, Jesus purposefully modeled and preached it. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 speaks a lot of this. A lot of what Jesus was preaching about is pushing out the culture, what became the norm. It was normal for people to live under bondage. It was normal for people to live in places of anger. It was normal for people to live at that capacity. But Jesus comes in and pushes all that out. I'm so grateful he came into our lives, to my life, and he came in what is normal, what you think is normal is not normal and started to push that boundary out. Friends, the fact is we're all here today. It's a good thing, but let's not just set at the boundary that we have. Not just set at the place just where we have. Let's start to push the boundary out a little bit more. Let's test to see what is possible. People say that you couldn't walk on water. Jesus said, you just watch me. You look at uh, churches in Australia. I remember uh, you didn't have a church much bigger than 1,000 people in Australia until one person by the name of Clark Taylor said, you just watch me, I'll test that. You're talking about somebody that had the makeup that tested boundaries. (laughs) Next thing you know, you've got a church of 5,000 people that literally shifted to Australia. Who said impossible is impossible? Who said that? As a 
so what you'll find is there's, there's parts of our life that, that have become so normal for us that we don't even know that they're normal, and that there is the trap. How can you get set free from something that you consider normal? If it's normal, you don't even see it. It's not until you get exposed to something different that challenges your culture, that challenges your attitudes, that challenges where you are, challenges the status quo that you either draw back or respond to. What boundaries, what boundaries have been around you as a person? What boundaries, what limitations, what culture has defined your family? If you look at the Israelites, when, when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, they were, in, they were in bondage for 430 years. People were born into slavery and they did not even know it. How true is that for some people today? How true is that for some families today? Where people, they, they are born into a, and, and there's a, a predominant culture that is operating over an individual, operating over a family, operating over a city, over a nation. People are born into it and do not know they're even in slavery to it until they get engaged with a different culture. Until they get shown that there's a different way to live. Until somebody says, I'm not satisfied here, I want to push out a little bit more. What financial boundary? What relational boundary? What, what constraints have been around you? Because either we are pushing forward and gaining territory in our lives, or we're losing it. Either the culture in our lives is one of moving forward, or it's moving back. So Jesus brought a kingdom culture, a counterculture, that was deliberately and intentionally built to supersede the culture that was formed at the fall of man. So one of the things you find is that when man fell, the, one of the, the only reason they fell was this, because they listened, they entertained the voice of a different spirit. When they started to entertain the voice of a different spirit that sounded smooth, that sounded sweet, but actually they listened to it and came into agreement, at that point the whole environment started to shift. A newer culture was brought in, but when Jesus Christ came, the second Adam, he came to shift that culture. He came as a counterculture to deliberately and intentionally build a culture that supersedes. To supersede is to take someone else's position or to take the place of. See, the default in the, in the, in the, in the second heaven, that, 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 uh, in the spirit world that lives around us, is that it, it, it's one of sin that encroaches on our lives. And unless the church of God stands up, unless you and I stand up as Christians, full of the Holy Spirit, to come with a counterculture, that other culture will continue to operate around people's lives. It is up to you and I as ministers of the Spirit of God, not just to come and clap, sing happy, clappy songs, but to come with a counterculture to, to uh, when one culture says this, to stand up and, and push back on it. I love what some of our young people are doing. Uh, you know, I've watched some of you guys, how, how we're, we're, we're culture would, would reject some people but I've watched our young ones, Afi them, welcome them in. Coming in with a different culture. You may be different, but we love you. We welcome you into this place. That's coming in with a counterculture. It's a counterculture. You may think this, but no, 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 I'm going to stand for this. You may reject people, but no, 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 no. I'm going to come with a different culture. Why? Because I believe in the value that God loves people the way they are. Doesn't matter what color, doesn't matter what, how they see themselves or anything like that. You know, I was looking, um, I listened to Sandy, uh, Peter and Sandy a little while, just going into an environment, I won't, won't say where it was, but the culture was that of, a, of abuse. I can't remember the, um, 
the statistics that they gave. But the abuse was so high. The abuse was the culture of abuse. Or abuse became such that it became a culture that it became the norm within a people group. You may look at it now, but it's like, for them, that was the norm. That was a, somebody, somebody had, somewhere had come into an agreement with a demon spirit, created an atmosphere. People, other people responded to it, became a climate, became a stronghold, it became a culture. A culture of abuse. People living in abuse, and it's become the norm for them. Until somebody stands up and says, this is not right. This is not right. We're going to start to push that boundary back. We're going to start to push that boundary back. No longer are we going to have your way. This is not the norm. This is not how God designed it. I'm going to push that back. I wonder what norm, I wonder what culture has become so familiar to you that you are, it's just become normal. It's, it's beyond a stronghold. It's just something that you've accepted. You're in bondage and don't even know it. So that bondage will just perpetuate until somebody has an encounter somewhere which shifts it. Until somebody whether who brings a counterculture will come in and stop it and move it. There are times where the church just operated at this level until somebody said, well, uh, I believe God wants to come up with miracles. The church came up to a whole new, new level. I wonder what the normal is in heaven. I wonder what is the accepted culture within heaven. I wonder what has become normal in heaven. Jesus said, as it is in heaven, let it come to earth. We are called to bring the culture of heaven to earth. To do that, you've got to displace the other culture that's here. To supersede, to shift someone else's position, to take the place of. In other words, to move the boundary. If we're going to move the boundary, that means somebody or something somewhere has had an authority in our life that's no longer accepted. There's a boundary, there's a behavior, there's a dynamic moving in our life, in our family, that is no longer acceptable. I'm going to shift the boundary out. That's when my mama says, their behavior is no longer acceptable. We're going to shift the boundary out. Oh, come on, somebody. <laughs> Culture for some people, most people, is subconscious, not even aware of it. So the Israelites, they were not even aware that they were in bondage. One generation was born into bondage after another. They were so culturalized, it became so normal that so probably somebody had to tell them, oh, you're a slave. For 430 years, they were slaves and kids didn't even know it. It wasn't until somebody somewhere intervened and started to shift there is a better way. So the whole Ten Commandments, not just a whole bunch of rules, actually God was teaching people how to be normal again. Start to lift the projection, start to lift the trajectory in our lives. That's when you have a culture shock. It's one of the great things about going on a mission trip where you go and experience a different culture. Some people have never been out of Waipaka, never been out of Hastings. They've become so culturalized to all the norms and the values and the behaviors that go on that that's their whole world. Until they get outside and start to, oh, the world is much bigger than what I thought it would be. Culture shock, when you come up to a culture that is different to what the, your normal is. You'll find that some culture shocks are good. They, they lift you up. Culture shocks start to add perspective into your life. You see something that's 
the norm for somebody else often is completely new for us. The fact that somebody could break out of addiction. For some people, addiction is the norm in their family. Until they come and encounter another family, that addiction has been eradicated. Your, your boundary then starts to move out. I am so grateful. I've just been reflecting um, uh, just on where we are as, as a family. And, um, you know, my, my, my grandfather, my dad's dad, he, he fought on the war and uh, he came back emotionally broken. He had an emotional breakdown. He was just a wreck. In fact, he should have even faced a firing squad for his behaviour. Yeah, he's a strong man, but uh, he had an emotional breakdown. My grandfather on the other side was uh, raised in the Exclusive Brethren. And so the Exclusive Brethren have a, have a culture of their own. And uh, my granddad at one point, at the age of 13, he made, he made this decision. He made the decision there has to be something more. I'm not satisfied. He, he heard the gospel for the first one, a gospel message. And he knew at this point that God had showed him that there was something else. There was something more to the, the culture that he was living. That what became the norm? The norm for them was that you, you live a life of recluse, that you don't interact with anyone else. That was the norm. They didn't know anything else. The kids were raised in that environment. That was it. That was their normal behavior. But when you compare that to something else, it was not normal. It's not normal. It's not a kingdom value that you reclude. You, you, you're recluse and exclusive. Exclusivity is not a kingdom value at all. And so my granddad, at the age of 13, he made a decision. He heard the gospel, and um, he made a decision that he's going to start to push the boundary. That boundary cost him something. So for the next few years, for the rest, yeah, for the rest of his life, basically, even to, to the day he died, some of his family... Um, uh, still just would not have anything to do. They were just completely, they were dead as, though, as far as he was concerned. But my granddad made a decision to stand up against the, the spirit of religion that had been operating in the family because he knew that the spirit of religion was contrary to the kingdom of God. It was not gospel. It was contrary to the kingdom of heaven. So he made a decision to stand up and it cost him. So for the next... Uh, so every, from the age of, I think, 13 or 15, he had to spend most of every meal he could not eat with his family, right? Every meal he had, he had to eat in the garage by himself while the rest of the family dined inside. Even going through university, he had to pay, all the other ones, all his brothers and sisters got their way paid through university. But he had to pay his own way through. So there was a cost that comes when you start to push the boundary. But what happened was there was a, the dynamic started to shift around his life. He started to push the boundary out. And even to this name, even brethren, people around here still know his name. <laughs> That's the impact. Right? So he, started, he made a decision that I'm going to establish a new normal for my family. I'm going to establish a new normal for the world around me. I'm going to push that boundary out. That boundary cost him. But what happened is as he started to push that boundary out, he started to create a new norm for the family started to create a new environment, got married, and, and started to de de develop, and, and, de and develop a, a, a family life. So he cultivated. Culture is something that you've got to cultivate. 
The Bible says that when God put Adam and Eve in the garden, he mandated them to, to cultivate the ground. To cultivate it. So culture is purposefully established. It is, it is intentionally and deliberately built. So my granddad, he, he deliberately built this. He deliberately started to dismantle habits and dismantle patterns and started to put new patterns in. So essentially what he was doing is he's starting to pull down this fence and start to rebuild it somewhere else. My territory has been enlarged. No longer will the spirit of religion be dominant in, in my family. It's not going to... I'm going to push it out. My family and my kids' kids. And my, my dad came from a... His dad was emotionally broken, completely emotionally disconnected, but was a good man and made some good decisions. And so when mum and dad came together, one of the things that we, I observed over the years was this, that my granddad that came out of the exclusive brethren, was he perfect? No. Did he still carry a spirit of religion? Yes, to a, to, a, to a large degree he did. However, what he did do was this. He managed to pluck up enough courage and shift the boundary out of the life. My dad came from an uh, emotionally disconnected background, and that cycle could have perpetuated through our lives today. That cycle could still be perpetuated, and that, still, that cycle, that bondage, that culture of being emotionally disconnected could still be in our family today. And to a, Certain degree it is. But it took one man, it took my dad to say, no, 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 no. No, no I'm going to start to push the boundary out in my life. This, this habit, this culture of being emotionally disconnected, not showing affection, or not being uh, present, not being there. No, 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 no. It may have happened behind me, but it's certainly not going to happen in front of me. I'm, going to ca- I'm not going to have my kids and my kids' kids move into a culture that is emotionally disconnected. Why? Because it's damaging. My other granddad, I'm not going to have my grandchildren come into an environment, the same environment that I did. I'm going to push the boundary out a little bit more. For some of you, will know what I'm talking about. For some of you, it's been abuse. But I know for some of you, you've, you've, you're not perfect. I mean, none of us are. But for some of you, I know that the price that you've paid to say, no, 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 no. This may have been the culture in my family, but it's not going to move. It stops with me. I'm going to push it out a little bit further. I know some of the, the struggles that you guys, some of you guys have faced, but I know the courage and the bravery that you've, that you've shown and demonstrate to say, oh, no, no, no. The, the spirit may have been in my family, but I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to start to respond more to the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm going to start to stop listening to those voices. I'm going to start to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit that I, uh, I, I, I'm not in torment. I'm not a person that's depressed. No, no, no. No, no, no. My Bible says that I've got a sound mind. The Bible says that, that, that he has not given me a spirit of fear, but of, of love and a power of a sound mind. I'm going to, where there's been anxiety running in my family, no, 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 no. It doesn't mean I'm going to be the bravest person, but what I'm going to do is I'm just going to put a foot in the ground and say, thus far and no more. I'm going to start to reclaim some territory in my life. My kids are not going to suffer the same, uh, the same bondage that I had or my father had. No, I'm going to push the boundary out a little bit more. You're a boundary shifter. You know, shift the norm. The norm may have been that you're a, that you are an addict. You know, your father was an addict. Your grandfather was an addict. Or whatever, whatever the norm was, whatever has been accepted, come to a point where you say, no, 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 no. 
Now I'm going to push the boundary a little bit out. It may scratch a little couple of people. It may offend some people. But I'll tell you what, that's not going to be the legacy that we live. So my daddy, um, I remember making these decisions that no longer will this be the dominant factor in our family. And we come together with my mum and he, and he started to glean from, from granddad. So granddad started to make some decisions. He, retired, he worked hard, then retired early for this purpose, that he could spend time with the family. He set up investment funds so his kids, his grandkids, wouldn't have to pay for university fees. That they could have opportunities that he never had. Why? Because I'm pushing the boundaries out a little bit more. Pushing the boundaries out a little bit more. My family used to be, his family used to be exclusive. No, 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 not me. I'm going to start to open up my heart to my kids and my grandkids. I'm going to start to share my emotions. I'm going to start to be present in their lives. I'm going to start to invest time. I'm going to start to invest. I'm going to start to teach them how to read the Bible for themselves. I'm going to teach them the gospel. I'm going to teach them the good news of, of Jesus Christ that they should no longer walk in bondage. I'm going to shift the boundary in my life. For some of you, it could be poverty that no one ever has ever owned a home. The poverty has been something that's become normal and you don't even know it until somebody decides, "Uh uh-uh, no, 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 not my kids and my kids' kids. No, 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 I'm going to shift the boundary. I'm going to start to stand up. I'm going to start to listen to another voice because my father, my spiritual father, says that I will be blessed, I am blessed, and that he owns the cattle oil of a thousand. I'm going to listen to that voice. I'm going to push the boundary out in my life. What's become normal for you? What is it that's become normal? Are you in slavery somewhere and don't even know it until somebody shows you a different way? And you look at our family now, and, you know, I was going to say, I'm not going to boast about this, but yes, I am. Because it's a tribute to the bravery and the courage that my father and my mother and my grandfather and my grandmother have all made. You look at now, all of you here in this place, you look at the ministry around the world. How did that happen? I'll tell you how it happened. Because one man and another man and another person made a decision. We're not going to tolerate this. We're going to start to push out a little bit more. When mum and dad first came to this church, it was broken, it was in debt and discouraged. You know what? That atmosphere could still be like that until somebody said, no, no. We're going to push that religious spirit out of this place. First thing we're going to do, you think that's the holiest of holies? We had this little room in the blue room, some of you will remember it. That was the holiest of holies for the church. There was a boundary that nobody did anything untoward in that room. It wasn't this room. Until Dad turned 40 and some of your guys said, let's have a barbecue in that place. Let's burn that sacred cow. The boundaries started to shift. Boundaries of religion. I remember some people started to come into this place and there were some, there were some people that had been into church all their lives. They prided themselves on the knowledge of the Bible and all this blah, 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 blah. And we had some other people too. They had these um, patches that came on and they had a shape of a dog or something on the back of it. And they were, people were getting delivered. And, and so one, people, one, one group of people would say, who are these people that you're bringing in? God was touching them. Who, who said that and started to try and bring a, a, a boundary of religion, started to, uh, started to bring a spirit of religion and to shut down the move of God? Uh, my dad said, no, 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 no. He said, I'll tell you what. I'll give you a choice. 
Either they stay or you go. <laughs> I can't remember what the other one was. At the end of the day, he made a decision to say, no, 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 no. That spirit ain't going to come in here. No. You're probably best to leave this place because God's touching these people. You're a boundary shifter. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Jesus didn't come and die on the cross so that your family could still live in poverty. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that your family could still live in addiction. That's not the normal for you. That's, addiction is not in heaven. Poverty is not in heaven. Sadness, disappointment, grief is not in heaven. No, no, no. The Spirit of the Lord is, there is joy. There's freedom, there's happiness. There's a sound mind. Some of you, your families had struggles with um, not having a sound mind. Anxiety. No, 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 it's not, it's not from heaven. Why don't you make a decision? So no, 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 no. I'm going to push the boundary out in my life. Where there's been anxiety, where anxiety has been a problem, where anxiety has been a, a boundary, a defining line in our family's life. I'm going to push that out. What is it that's been defining around you as a, as a family? What is defining you as a person? What is it? What cultural aspect? What is it about you that defines you? For some of you, I encourage you today. There's been, uh, there's been struggles that have been going on in your family. There's been spirits that you've come into an agreement with. I encourage you today. Make a decision to shift the culture. Make a decision to shift the boundaries in your life. Make a decision that you're going to bring in another kingdom into your life. Make a decision that the kingdom that you're going to bring in will supersede, that will override and push out the other one. I'm so grateful. I'm so inspired by so many of you how you've made that decision. But there's more for you yet. Why stop now? Why stop now? Why stop now? Why stop now? Some of you have come so far, why stop now? Some of you, uh, from where you've come from to where you are now, it's just it's amazing. Why stop now? Keep going. Keep going. Start to shift the culture. Bring around your family. Bring around your life. A culture of freedom, a culture of heaven. By this, all men will know that you love one another. By this, people will know that you are my disciples because you've deliberately built a culture of love around your life. What are you deliberately building into your life today? What my father carries today, what my mother carries today, what my grandparents, it didn't come by accident. It was a deliberate and intentional building of principles of the kingdom of God into their life. Everything I have today is an expression of love. Greater love is no man than this that he'll lay down his life for his friends. Friends, we can have all the flashing lights, we can have a lovely building, we can have everything like that, but what will truly identify us as sons and daughters of Jesus Christ, as disciples of him, as by the culture, by the culture of love, by the culture of heaven that we build, that we deliberately build around our lives. Why don't you just close your eyes right now? Holy Spirit, I thank you so much. Thank you so much for the the people in my family that have, have stood up and shifted the boundaries. They shifted out the religious spirit. They shifted out of poverty, shifted out of depression, 
shifted out the boundary of anxiety. And I thank you, Lord, for your blessing that's in our life today. I thank you for the blessing that has gone over the walls and is touching nations today. Lord, I thank you right now for every household that's represented here. Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would speak and that you would show us the boundaries, areas of our life that we've tolerated, areas of darkness which we've tolerated in our lives. Today, Lord, give us the courage to stand up and say no more. I'm going to push the boundary out. We're going to shift that defining line. I'm going to shift that defining line in my life. I've been identified, we've been identified as a, of not having a sound mind, but I'm going to push that out. I'm going to push that boundary out. And I'm going to be known as one that's got a clear thinking mind, that is, that's, that's intelligent. And I'm going to allow somebody to start to cultivate my life. Father, today I bless your people this morning. I bless your people this morning, Lord. Father, today, Lord, I stand and speak to every boundary of the devil that has been encroaching on people's lives. I speak right now to addiction. I speak right now to religious spirits, to poverty, to consumerism. Speak right now and I decree your power is broken. Father, that your kingdom come, that your kingdom advance in our lives today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Everybody said? Come on, turn to the person next to you. Tell him I'm a boundary shifter. I'm going to push out some boundaries in my life. I'm going to pull down some fences. I'm going to shift it out. Come on, let's sing and worship him this morning. today. Come on, I'm going to push that boundary out of my life. Come on, decree it over your life today. Push it out. 
just lift your hands up to him right now. What is it that you've tolerated in your life? Is it you've tolerated spirit of religion, you're never good enough. Consumerism, you've never got enough. Trying to fill the void in your life. Anxiety. Powered by a spirit of fear. Poverty. Come on. Make a decision today. I'm going to shift that boundary out. I'm going to pull that fence down. I'm going to pull it down. It's not going to be in my life anymore. I'm going to increase my sphere of influence. I'm going to bring the kingdom of God into my family, into my life, into my kids, into my kids' kids. I'm going to create a new normal in my life. The normal will be the kingdom of heaven. Come on, let's lift them up one more time. Freedom reigns in this place. Freedom reigns in this place. Showers of mercy and grace. Time. Freedom reigns in this place. Freedom reigns in this place. Showers of mercy and grace falling on every face. There is as you go from this place I encourage you during this week just to consider in your own heart consider in your life what is it that needs to be pulled down